Hey everyone, welcome to the Darkcast and Happy New Year. This is DCI number 112 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Mike Rausch of Choice Provisions to talk about their new game, Tharsis. Now you may know Choice Provisions better by their former name, Gaijin Games, as they are the makers of the BitTrip games, specifically BitTrip Runner 2, which is fantastic. You should go play that now. But you should also listen to this podcast, so whatever order you want to do that in is fine, but BitTrip Runner is fantastic. Anyway, we're here to talk about Tharsis. Tharsis is a equally interesting game to the BitTrip series, and it is about a mission to Mars that goes awry and potentially ends in you eating your teammates. It's, it's amazing. Um, anyway, you can find out more information about the game, as well as links in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. All right, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast tonight. How are you doing? I am great. That's good. That that is good to hear. I try. So you're you're not um, you're not too bogged down yet with uh, launching the game. We're bogged down. I think you know, the game releases uh, next Tuesday, I believe, the twelfth. And so, ask me that question again Monday night. I'll probably have okay. a different answer. Sure. But sure. I'm pacing my I'm pacing myself well. That's good. That's Won't good. Won't be in English. It'll sound like the the murmurings of the deep sleeping Cthulhu. Exactly. <laughs> we're going. We're going. We're going. <laughs> And it's done. Nap time. No, wait. Bugs. I'll just communicate with, with a with people. a series of bizarre clicks from my there you thorax. Go. You'll be you'll be like a clicker in the <laughs> yeah, last exactly. of us, and just just you'll you'll find things and communicate just by clicking. I'm sure That's it can great. be done. It'll be fine. It'll be good. All right. Well, Mike. Obviously, we are here to talk about uh, choice provisions. <clears throat> excuse me. Choice provisions. New game. Tharsis. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about who you are and what you do at the studio. Uh, I am uh, the co-founder of the studio, um, and I am also the director on Tharsis. Okay. Very cool. So, what does what does all that kind of involve? Uh, being the director of of a project like this. Um, so basically, it's sort of the pupper ma- puppet master role uh, in some ways. Um, for me, I had this idea for Tharsis years ago, and I knew it was a game I wanted to make. So it was sort of like um, spearheading and putting all the right pieces of the puzzle together to get that game made. Mm-hmm. So it was... Uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, one of the things that was really interesting about um, the the development, in my opinion, was it was Tharsis was a, originally supposed to be a game that was going to take have a five month development cycle and, and come out on iPad. So uh, obviously we're over two years later, and here we are. So. Uh, <laughs> I would say it's been an interesting course that Tharsis has taken. <laughs> so, what was the, what was kind of the seed of the the game? Um, that you know, what what the the spark, if you will, yeah, the spark. Um, so, <clears throat> there was uh, this show on PBS called American Experience, and it was about um, 
uh, it was about American whaling ships, and it went into this ship called the Ex- Essex, and um, it was a ship that got sunk by a whale. So um, obviously, it was the inspiration for Moby Dick. Okay. But uh, the ship kind of uh, the crew um, left the ship and got into their life rafts um, or dinghies. Uh, and they took as many supplies as they could carry with them, and they floated around for three months and ended up, you know, it got pretty dark and pretty bad. Uh, they ended up eating their shoe leather, and then eventually uh, the, uh, some of the, the, there were storms, and the, the dinghy separated, and half of them were lost at sea forever. Um, and then the other half uh, ended up sort of drawing straws and, basically you know they had to kill someone and and eat them to survive um but a couple of the crew were end, ended up being found um and when they were found they were in the fetal position and they were sucking on the bones of their crewmates and it was it's this really gruesome miserable story um and i just thought to myself well, how cool would that be if that happened in space so how do you go from something like like Bit Trip Runner to like Cannibal the Musical in space? Well, because I see I see the germs of the idea of what you were dealing with, but you guys were making stuff that was really uh, I would say almost the opposite end. And... Yeah. So, uh, well, my I'll, my answer to that is uh, work on Bit Trip games for five years, and you're gonna want to try to. You know, spread your wings like and do something I'm different. I'm ready for I'm ready for femurs, <laughs> yeah. guys. Let's do this. And you know, towards the end of the Bit Trip series, it was like, you know, it's it's kind of hard to express to people like working in a, a specific world for five years and like, you know, I always think about, you know, uh, it took five years to make Fallout Four. I always think like, I you know, I don't know if I could, you know, the older I get, my attention span even, is even lower. I don't know if I could work on a game like Fallout for five years, I think I would just lose my mind, but um, we did actually do it with BitTrip. So, it was the type of thing where, you know, over that time we're like, you know, I mean, no, don't get us wrong, we love BitTrip, but over that time we're like, what, you know, we have ideas and, you know, it's like aspirations, we want to uh, do these things, but when you're sort of confined by a set of games, then, um, you know, we really wanted to finish the Bit Trip series. So it ended up just being the type of thing where this was sort of my dream gig uh, that I wanted to do within the studio. And, you know, I, I set aside five months to do it. But it ended up being, you know, we saw so much promise in the game that it just kept getting pushed and pushed out further. And then it's like, okay, well, we've pushed it out this much further. Let's, you know, up the ante on the art a little bit. And then it's like, okay let's license some music and then you know two you know two, two years, years later, later a game got, was made you got your game yeah <laughs> so what was it like kind of I, I guess making those decisions to to push out the game how how different is it from the original kind of conception and what you i guess had working five months into it on theoretically a, an ipad how how far has tharsis come well, it's um, we will be releasing some some old iterations of of the game, and you know, looking back on them, 
now it's just like man it's just the crustiest of crust but um a lot of the core gameplay, we did the core gameplay as paper prototypes. Um, so the core gameplay was kind of our always there. Um, the, the, the main difference is the iteration over, you know, especially probably the last seven or eight months, the iteration on um, sort of like the tuning and some of the gameplay elements, uh, that's sort of the biggest difference. But the core game was always there. It was always... Um, some form of dice with, um, you know, these these modules that are the ship and the abilities and, um, you know, perks for the astronauts kind of came later. So that was a big, you know, that was different. But um, I would say, you know, we took the game to a PAX on an iPad about a year and a half ago. We went to PAX Prime and... Um, I just found that old iPad and I looked at it and I was just like, man, I am so glad we pushed this game back because it just, it's so much, it's so much more polished and pleasing. Very nice. Very nice. Now, um, obviously th this isn't just the, the first game that you guys have, uh, made since the, the bit trip games. Um, what's been kind of the journey from, you know, working on that series for, for so long to, to now, besides, you know, obviously the journey of, of Tharsis itself, because um, what used to be Gaijin Games, now Choice Provisions, has gone through kind of a, a metamorphosis in a lot of ways. Yeah, so we, um, we actually, I don't know, I'm sure some of your listener, <coughs> listeners know Gaijin Entertainment. Um, they're that uh, Russian game developer that... Um, does a bunch of wargaming and stuff like that. So that, that's actually who I assumed we were talking to when I first was reading <laughs> the announcement for this, and I was like, okay, cannibalism in space—that's cool, whatever. Gaijin Games. Uh, well, they—they they don't exist anymore. This must be that other one that I don't know anything about. And then I start researching, and I'm like, wait a minute, these—these these guys made Runner Two. <laughs> so what? that was the. Oh my god! This, this was—you're <laughs> talking also about years of confusion. And it went both ways. And, you know, in the earlier days, Gaijin Entertainment, um, you know, they were just a small developer and we were a small developer and, um, you know, we knew about each other, but we never even really uh, talked too much. Um, but then I think that they've seen a, a huge amount of success recently. And, you know, it's just good business for them to basically look after their branding um, but more importantly uh, they had the uh, trademark for Gaijin and um, we had the trademark for a Gaijin logo so uh, at the end of the day um, in all fairness and legality they, they won that I mean there was no war there but if there was it would be a no contest because legally they, they had ownership of um, the mark. So um, it was sad for us. Uh, at the same time, you know, Gaijin is a derogatory term. And back in the, the, the earlier days, we really liked it because it was sort of like we were these white guys making these uh, Japanese, these games in a Japanese style in the sense that we were... Uh, making games from the controller 
uh, or the the player and the controller to the video game. So we were very concerned about what the what the player's experience was, mm. and that's sort of a you know a Japanese methodology of game design. So um, you know back then it was really you know. Uh, a name that we thought fit really well and sort of as we grew older and you know we we would get some some feedback from people uh you know that you know that's a it's a pretty derogatory thing white devil comes up a lot when you know when people say this is what gaijin means but um so changing it was something that we weren't totally opposed to okay but so, then we changed it to the most awesome uh, name and logo ever, like uh, you, you had kind of mentioned earlier. So we thought, you know, if we're going to do it, let's just go, let's go nuts. Yeah. Yeah, so let, let's, let's talk about the, this logo here. We, we've got, what, is this a Cyclops deer? It um, is. Okay. And, and then there, it's, it's on a pyramid. There's the number 33. There's the number 13. There's an alien or a man at the top of the pyramid. There's a UFO. There's a diamond. Like, what What all is going on with this logo? I, I need to know, just for, you know, reasons. So, so here's the thing. Ultimately, you know, depending on what kind of person you are, you could look at this logo and, and go, man, you know, these guys are, you know, Illuminati, and there's, like, the 13 <laughs> on there, and there's a UFO and diamond, and, you know, wrong. It's, you know, we make, we are, we make video games, we make entertainment, and this is just a very theatrical That's just what the Illuminati would say. I know. (laughs) Of course they would. Um, And actually, um, I'm subconsciously warping everyone's brain right now, but it's the, the, the basic logo. I I had a dream um, about a Cyclops deer. Um, Okay. And so I was like, man, that would be a really cool thing. So I kind of made a... um, you know, a thumbnail sketch of this thing. And, you know, if you'll notice, uh, we also kind of wanted it to be like a family crest. So you'll notice there's some kind of crest elements in the back. Um, there's wine grapes and beer hops because we're essentially uh, beer and wine drinkers. All right. um, sometimes sure. a little too much, sometimes not enough. Um, then there's the UFO, of course. Um, and the little man that's being beamed up by the UFO is our old Gaijin. Uh, the it was the eye and Gaijin off of our old logo, so he's kind of being beamed up into a new wor- freaky world. Um, and then the the diamond up there is my birthstone, and my favorite number is thirty three, um, just because it holds a lot of significance in my life and my business partner Alex Noisy. His favorite number is uh, 13, so we kind of threw that in there. And um, the broken antler, of course. Yeah, I was going to ask if you didn't get to it, what, what's up with that broken antler? I can't actually tell you what that's about. Oh but if anybody ever finds out, <laughs> it's, it, is pro- it is by far the most interesting thing in that logo. Ah, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> we've, told, we've told some select people in the past, and everybody just... It blows their mind, Damn. but is it? It's almost more fun. <laughs> it's almost more fun to not know. I think. Sure, sure. That's. <laughs> I don't want to know now. Now I want to. I, 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 I so want to know. Just guess and. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Totally don't want to know now. I, it, it is what it means to you. 
<laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the other games that that you guys have made um, in between BitTrip and and Tharsis? Yeah, so um, our, our studio has been around for eight years now. So um, we have we do have games. We make we make games and kind of a I'd say a, a lot of them. Um, but Tharsis is one of our bigger games. Laser Life uh, is another one of our bigger games, and Laser Life. Um, on some levels, well, on quite a few levels, is a a, a a bigger game than Tharsis, but Laser Life and Tharsis are in the same world. Um, so Laser Life happens like 100,000 years after Tharsis. Okay. Um, so if you'll notice, you know, both of those games have a completely different aesthetic from from our, um, our other stuff. But during that time, uh, we... You know, the, these games, Laser Life and Tharsis, both were around a two-year development cycle. So, um, Wodave was made during uh, that time. And uh, Wodave was a huge success for us. Um, and it got a lot of critical acclaim, uh, enough so. So, uh, we were able to make the sequel called Space Dave uh, that should be coming out um, early this year. Um, and... Uh, also during this time we've come out with a couple of uh, you know, bizarre little iOS games. Last Tuesday a game called Make 13 just came out uh, on iOS and we have uh, a little auto runner called GoGo Commander Video that's free on iOS. So a couple of little projects uh, dispersed throughout our development Um, and again that's sort of those projects are more of sort of the pixelated retro type stylings to kind of keep our um, our base enthusiastic Um, Mm -hmm. but also we've been publishing some games during that time and I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Shuchimi but uh, it uh, (laughs) Shuchimi is a game we published and it is a very 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 amazing game Uh, it's a shooter about a fish that has a 10 second memory so you shoot for 10 seconds and then you get a chance to pick a new loadout for your gun um, and you only have 10 seconds to do that and you go back and forth so um, uh, we've been uh, doing a lot of a lot of things during the development of these larger games um, and it's sort of it's been very busy but it's been a blast and it's been very rewarding as well of course Sure, sure. What what has it been like, kind of transitioning into a um, kind of publisher role with some other studios? Um, it, it's really fun. It's really rewarding, um, and basically, we have everything set up to be on console. So we've been putting games on consoles for years, and so some of these smaller developers. Uh, that have games that we think are interesting um, we're basically trying to offer to to help facilitate them getting on consoles Um, but what we get from that is it's you know rewarding talking to other game developers working with them telling them what works what doesn't work uh, and trying to get the most success from that Um, but also I mean selfishly it's fun to to play games before anyone else can play them 
Sure. Sure. Very cool. Very cool. How many people are at uh, Choice at this point? Uh, I believe we're 16 right now. Um, and I think the the biggest we've ever been was 19. So uh, it's, it's different because when we started the game, it was three guys. Mm-hmm. And it was three guys for about two years. So scaling up like that's been, you know, a challenge because... You know, running a a company with three people is extremely easy because everyone kind of, you know, self-sustains and um, self-manages. And growing, of course, you know, you have to be like a real company. So, um, So we've been, I think since Runner 2, we've been about nine people i think that's the development team for runner 2 and that was about three years ago so um i don't know it's been a lot of fun very cool very cool now let's talk about tharsis uh for anybody that doesn't know what it is can you kind of give us a rundown of what what tharsis is not not the real tharsis the the game not the real tharsis unless you want to tell me what (laughs) tharsis is also uh, oh, Tharsis is just sort of a, a, a basin on on Mars, but we chose the name uh, because also, you know, there's a wordplay kind of with catharsis there. Gotcha. But um, so our tagline for, for Tharsis is a turn-based permadeath realistic space strategy game with dice and cannibalism. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's essentially just a strategy game, um, and we've taken some of the core mechanics that's, you know, normally hidden behind the scenes and and brought them to the forefront with dice um and it's actual six-sided die uh that you play with not actual actual but when you roll in the game they they're the dice that we all know and love Hmm. and so um you know one of the decisions on 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 having dice be sort of the 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 mechanical thing that you interact with is because um, for the most part, every single person on Earth knows what a, a die is and how to use it. So um, that was uh, a really important thing that that needs to be known about Tharsis is, you know, it's a space game with dice. And the funny thing there is um, dice in space make you absolutely really don't no roll. sense. They don't roll. They would sit there and they would roll forever. So... Um, it's kind of our our funny joke as the developers to to the gaming community is you know ha 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 dice don't roll in space but um, yeah it's been a lot of fun and then there's the, of course the cannibalistic um, aspect to uh, the game which um, I think is even more entertaining once you say it's a game with dice and cannibalism in space um, because. Um, you know, sounds kind of funny to me. <laughs> so is it just is it a, is it a mission that goes wrong? I mean, as only dice can make things go wrong, or is it was this like? Uh, it's a mission it's that goes just... wrong before you start rolling your dice. So, okay, uh, it along the way, to, you know, on your trip to Mars, you're going to Mars because there was a uh, mysterious signal, um, and all you know is that you have to get there. Um, because, you know, say what you want, the fate of humanity rests in your hands. Uh, but Well, I mean, if uh, we don't get to Mars, we don't find the Prothean technology, we never use the Mass Effects. So there I you, definitely, there you, there you definitely go. see. 
Perfect. Yeah. And so you can see the importance of Mars. Uh, but uh, if along the journey the ship gets um, hit by uh, a, a micro uh, meteorite storm and um, very conveniently it takes out your supply module, uh, which has all of your food and resources. So um, you're basically on the ship. Very conveniently, I like that. <laughs> but that's the power that we have as as uh, game gods is to craft our universe the way we want. And so uh, anyway, you know, the ship gets hit and the fun ensues after that. And it would be a very boring game if we just said, okay, we got hit by meteoroids, let's go back to Earth. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, you're already out there. I mean, you can't go back. Yeah, you might as well. Absolutely. So then it's your job as the player, of course, to go through um, all ten turns and make it to Mars. And there's uh, three different endings. Um, so there's a little bit of replayability there, but there's the... the we call it the, the good, the bad, and the worst ending. Um, but in reality, they're all bad endings. So, uh, you know... They're, it's like it's like a Starbucks cup of coffee. We've changed our endings because it used to be um, good, okay, and bad, and now it's just sort of bad, worst, and horrible. <laughs> so can can you make it to Mars? Yes. So the okay. you, the three different endings you can get. Ultimately, the best ending um, is if you get all of your characters off the ship and land on Mars. So. All characters off, land on Mars, best ending. If you get uh, two, it's... Um, or if you get three, it's the medium ending. And uh, if you only get uh, one or two... Uh, one, it's the... What do we call it? Not the, the vente. I don't know what the small Starbucks coffee is. But you get one character to Mars, it's essentially the worst ending. Okay. Uh, so... Um, Again, it's 10 turns, 10 weeks. Try to survive. Do whatever you can when you, to get there. Roll some dice. Do some research with the research cards. And uh, because it's sort of a, a roguelike uh, permadeath game, uh, all of your values are, are different when you start the game. Okay. So um, there's that aspect to it. And uh, every game's different. So uh, it adds a lot of unique challenges, to, you know, as you make your way through the game. Gotcha. Are what what all can change with the the roll of the dice? Are your characters changing, or their their loadouts, or you know, what what all kind of is? So um, varying. So ultimately, uh, you've got four characters. Each character has a class and uh, a class ability. So. Um, you can put a die in to a character to get uh, his or her class ability. Uh, there are uh, seven modules, and each module has an ability, and you can pay your dice into that, or you can put dice into researching cards. Um, but, but ultimately, there's these events that happen um, in-game during your gameplay, and what you want to do is uh, you have to kind of stomp these events. So basically think about dice's... Uh, um, money or points you're trying to pay off points so you might have a fire that has uh, 22 points 
So you have to roll um, eventually 22 points worth of dice to get rid of the event. Um, but you might have some some research, and one of those research cards might be uh, a minus 17 to a, an event. So basically it brings up a lot of interesting choices that you can make uh, during your journey to stomp these events, to keep your characters alive, to keep the ship um, uh, alive, essentially. And <clears throat> you you just make your, your way through every turn. And uh, I don't know, did you guys get a code for it yet? Um, no. I think we did. Uh, did did, did you? we? Yeah, I think it's I on the list. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely worth playing. Um, it looks super interesting. Where where yeah. did the design for the ship come from? Uh, the di- is, this, the, is this actual science hidden amongst the cannibalism and, di- and and dice? The design from the ship is speculation. So essentially, it's like, you know, what did we watch there? We watched. Uh, I just watched The Martian. And so okay. if, you look, if you look at the ship in The Martian, uh, you know, I think that ship is a little bit theatrical. Um, but that being said, it's like r- within the next 25, 30 years, what, like, what can you imagine a ship being? And, and what, I, what we imagined it essentially being like is, well, if you put rockets on, like, the International Space Station, because, you know, NASA and science, you know, they're not going to, put these big wings on it and you know do all this amazing stuff so um we kind of just took a bunch of what we thought were interesting modules and put them together and you know put a rocket behind it okay sure so you know obviously it doesn't look like a battlestar galactica you know (laughs) ship but it's still you know we wanted to kind of have something that made sense um, and so in the, the, the front of the ship, it's, you know, it's two cones stuck together. And those are actually two landing modules, much like an Apollo landing module. Um, and the cargo bay kind of looks like cargo containers. And, um, but we tried to kind of come up with something that was, that, that could be more realistic for a ship that would go to Mars, opposed to something that is much less realistic. Sure, sure. It, are the is it customizable at all, or is it always going to be in the same configuration? So can I can I stack this ship like I was a bad farmer on the Oregon Trail? You you cannot. Uh, okay. ori- originally, we were going to have uh, uh, modules be something that you can pick as well uh, and kind of form your own ship, uh, but ultimately we decided that having um, Basically, the the static ship put together the way it is um, is a better gameplay experience for the player. Um, and th- yeah, there's also something about like knowing, like your your actual geographic location on the ship is a very important thing to the game Tharsis. So um, uh, movement is free for your characters throughout the ship unless there is an event. And if there's an event if you pass through it, you take uh, one off your health. So um, being able to sort of remember where the med bay is or where the greenhouse is for your food uh, ends up being 
important to the player. Okay. So you need to know where you're going so you're not wasting you die. Need, you got to know where you're going. Gotcha. Um, so that was a big, that was a, you know, one of our early decisions because we felt like it was really necessary. Um, now, um, of course, it would be fun to, to sort of craft your own ship and stuff. But um, these, the, the, the ship itself is a, a static entity floating through space and time. Okay. What? Do, okay, no, keep going, Don. That's fine. I was just going to say, do any of the stats of the ship change? So um, the stats don't really change. What you have is you have a ship health, um, and ultimately the ship health is by far the most important thing because if, it, if you uh, run out of health, the ship uh, in the game breaks up and all of your crew die. So um, you always have to keep an eye on your ship. Um, and food and astronaut health is an, another big um, issue that you got to keep keep an eye on. So at, at first I thought you said ship elf. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, that is a term right there. Cannibalism yeah. and ship, ship elves. elves. Yep. That's no. all right. We are no. we are speaking directly to the Illuminati. This is a look into <laughs> That's our true. future. Ship elves, they're everywhere. It's like that old. Uh, that old uh, Twilight Zone with the that monster on the the wing of the ship. Yeah, I don't know if that this was is a the ship origin or... story. This is it. I, this is exactly. <laughs> I think that somewhere was more Bill of a... Shatner is staring at a computer screen, just yelling, exactly. "Horses!" <laughs> I always thought that was more like a ship Bigfoot, anyway, which kind of freaked me out. Uh... <laughs> I, I have a. I also have a lot to say about Bigfoot. I think you know. We could we could talk some about Bigfoot. I don't know I don't know if anybody's ready for that. There's a Bigfoot museum in the town I live in, so that is, really yeah. I've I haven't been there yet. I I I've been told not to go there because the guy will talk your ear off. But um, I guess uh, well you know I, I kind of guess that if you go into a place like that you kind of have to expect that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, with the, so allegedly in this town we've got a um, a Bigfoot and. You know, well, I live in Santa Cruz, California, so it's not like a, a small town or anything. But uh, our Bigfoot here is called the uh, Quail Hollow Howler, which I think is pretty cool. That's a neat name. I think it's probably just a guy on meth, though. But who knows? Probably. <laughs> I live in Jacksonville, Florida, so the only Bigfoots that we have are skunk apes, and oh, yeah. most of the time they're named like like Bill or or Jedediah. Bill the skunk ape. Yeah, you know. <laughs> He goes to the, the the corner store. He gets himself a couple of beers. Ends up in a ditch somewhere, covered in mud, and then runs out yelling. I have to say, I skunk wish, apes. I really wish that Bigfoot was real, but I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not putting I, my know, money on it. Proof. Uh, no definitive proof. We'll see. The time will tell. Well, again, I said I had a lot to say about Bigfoot, but I have also heard that the reason they haven't found any Bigfoot is because they've got a button on their belts that when they're dying, they push it and they go into another dimension. So I, We listen to the same podcasts. This is good. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I assumed it's just because they bounce and they all bounced off the face of the earth at some point. They just float away. Those are horrible yeah. stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> so what does is, what is NASA think about all this? Because obviously, I mean, did it knock out the communications too? Or are these guys just left... 
to decide, like, no, 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 we're going to Mars or it's Mars so or bust? It's Mars or bust. So, you know, they have to go investigate this the signal. And, and the narrative for Tharsis is really... Um, it's really sort of akin to classic sci-fi that you'd find in the, you know, the, the 60s and 70s, uh, more so, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey than, um, you know, uh, a modern sci-fi adventure. So um, the the story is, it's kind of out there and it, it alludes to a lot of pieces to the narrative, but we don't blatantly say, you know, hey, we're going to Mars because we absolutely have to. Um, and so it, the narrative uh, sort of t- sets the tone for um, this weird sadness that the astronauts are going through, um, along with some of the music for the game. Um, we we licensed an album from a band called Weevil, um, and so the 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 we really wanted to like, sort of set this interesting tone for the game. what exactly is is that tone um ultimately it's there there's sort of like this sadness and there's this longing um that's happening for the astronauts and i think mostly it's because um you know they know that they are on a mission that they have to do um no matter what essentially to save humanity so there there are these undertones of of sadness but at the same time um, you know, there's there's energy in the music. So, um, oftentimes, I mean, I've been listening to the soundtrack for a year, and I still, it still doesn't bother me. I'll have it on, and it's like, you know, some of the bit trip music that we we had in our old games. If if it comes on, I just I, I just cannot listen to it anymore. But uh, <laughs> this this band Weevil, the music is so good. I always kind of tap my foot to it, and. Uh, it just makes for really elegant background music. Okay. Very cool. So, um, one of the things that kind of struck me is I, I watched a, a video where you mentioned that the art style, uh, you know, is going for very 60s, 70s kind of sci-fi vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and another game that did that was, was Mass Effect. It kind of had a very 60s, 70s sci-fi sure. vibe. Absolutely. But... This is like a very different 60s, 70s vibe. It's a specific vibe. Yeah, like what, obviously like uh, 2001 you mentioned, um, but I don't know, I guess there's just kind of a a ruggedness to it, a used quality. Yeah. Is is that something that you would go for? How how did you differentiate it from other, you know, I guess the cleaner, more utopian 60s and 70s? Yeah, we. I I think for the most part, it's like, you know, this. It's a spaceship that's used. You know, it's like it's a spaceship that that has people living in it, and you know, some of those cleaner looks. It's like um, I read something about the International Space Station about how um, they 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 have to clean it constantly. They they have to clean it every every week and you know for very good reasons you know you don't want to clog up you know the an important piece of equipment with a you know a turd or boogers or whatever so like um but i also kind of thought 
you know, there are some clean aspects to the the aesthetics of of the 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 art and the ship and everything. But at the same time, um, I don't know. There was there was a cool thing that happened in 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 the '60s and '70s when they thought about space, and it was there. You know, in in that video that you're mentioning, I talk about. You know, there's always these big, thick, colorful stripes everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like. Um, I don't know. It's just it, it it has a look to it that is, uh, you know, I kind of wanted a unique look, but something that's also very familiar to people. So I didn't want to take it all the way and as deep as like Space 1999 was one of the references, and the other show was was UFO. Like I didn't want to go super wacky 70s. Um, so at the same time, you know. I wanted to be influenced by that, but have something that, you know, someone like you and I could look at and go, okay, you know, that looks cool. That looks like, this looks like something that, that was made in, in, uh, this present day. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. Are they alone on there or is this showing up on some sort of alien reality show? (laughs) That would be cool. Um, actually to talk to that a little bit, um, Essentially, I mean, the, the viewpoint, if you go through uh, some of the screenshots, uh, or if you guys have seen the game, you're looking in, you, you zoom into the ship, and then um, the capsules open up in sort of a cutaway view. Um, and that's, unfortunately, we didn't really get to this that much, but it's a camera that was sent out. And um, there's a couple of reasons we didn't go for this, but like, essentially... Um, uh, NASA or whoever the space agency was was going to be looking in on this ship and kind of controlling uh, what the astronauts do and we kind of gave that up a little bit because you know there's there are some real time time differences that happen the further away from Earth that you get and communications take longer and all that stuff um, so it is actually a robot camera out there and in fact, there's one image that you can see. It was a concept art image, but you can see the camera. So in some ways, it is sort of an unfortunate reality TV show for NASA or whoever. This is, is like the this is is the cabin cabin in the woods in space. Exactly. Okay. But it's not the game is definitely not that. But it could be perceived as you know. And the other funny thing, now that you mention it, is uh, I, you know, early on I got a friend of mine a. Um, a build of the game and the, you know the camera zooms in and the module is cut away and you can see inside the module and he started referring to it as sitcom view and I thought that was very funny because of course we know that in sitcoms they sort of have these fixed cameras and the sets are opened up so yeah absolutely fourth walls the, the uh, exactly yeah the audience but yep yeah, so I don't know so it's it's okay they're just pretending to eat each other it's 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 fine they are <laughs> just just a little what? nibble every once in a while. Um so is is there a, a good way to kind of roast up your your crewmates and you know, can you cook them over an open fire or anything like that? What's what's the best way to uh Boy, I don't know. You know, I, I've been thinking about it a lot, you know. Are you the type of guy that is going to shy away away from it and wait as long as you can or are you the type of guy that's gonna just tuck right in and have a have yourself a sandwich um i i would presume that they would cook it i don't want to eat raw meat and also uh 
you know, the astronaut towards the end of the game has been around for a while. Sure. Um, but I don't know. Jerky? <laughs> uh, salamis? I don't know. I, you you kind of tend to do anything. Did they sure. remember the blue cheese? <laughs> I, I'd go right for the, the, the flank. <laughs> See, I, I think you should, should go for it at the beginning of the mission. Like, once you find out things are going bad, you're going to run out of food. Go ahead and kill somebody off. That's way it, that way it's fresher. You know, they, they yeah. haven't been drained. Um, and then, plus, that way you've got food, and you don't have to worry about making that decision later on. You can just already be a monster. Don't, exactly. don't ever fly anywhere with Jonathan, because the moment <laughs> things look bleak, you are on the chopping block already. I just had this Minor discussion. turbulence. I had this exact same somebody. discussion. <laughs> yep. The plane's going down. Okay. And you just start stabbing your friend and eating a piece of the leg. Yep. I need no to eat way. your leg right now for sustenance. <laughs> We're not... No, what? <laughs> but you've got a... You've got... A bag of peanuts. Yeah. This won't last me. That'll be a snack later. Yeah. That'll be. Alright. Good good to know. Good to know. Well, Brian, do you have any more questions before we uh, jump into the, the end game? No, I think we get to the real hard stuff now. Alright. Uh, we have a questionnaire we like to do at the end. We call it the end game. Uh, it's inspired a bit by the uh, questionnaire at the end of the Inside the Actor Studio. Um, so it focuses more on you than on uh, than on anything else. Um, so, you know, feel free to come up with the worst answers possible or okay. answer truthfully. We'll never know. Uh, right. Question number one Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Man. I don't know. That's, I mean, you, you, you kind of talked about these earlier, and these kind of questions stump me because, oh man, I just get so carried away. I don't know. Um, Snape from the Harry Potter games. That's a horrible one. I'm that's go a, that, that is a one, man. Isn't that, uh, isn't that awful? <laughs> that's, like, to... that, that's super meta because in <laughs> the early games, that you know, obviously Snape is Snape, um, but in the later games, you come to know that Snape is actually Snape. So that's yeah. oh, okay. That's well, okay. So next question, I'm going to flip the coin and I'm going to say who's your favorite antagonist. Man. Um... I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm 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 kind of a Nintendo guy. So at the end of the day, so uh, maybe the dog from Duck Hunt. Are these, yeah. are these bad enough for you? I don't know. That, yeah, no, that, that, that's actually Absolutely. great. That's yeah. I hope I get some sort of uh, reward for having the who apparently is actually named Hunt. Really? That's, yeah. Well, yeah. He was. Uh, yeah. They have the uh, the amiibo now. That's right. And it's Duck and Hunt. And That's I mean, you know, any dog named Hunt, like, just put him. Yeah. Man, go Nintendo. Yeah, they they don't shy away. I like them. They're good guys. Reggie would eat somebody. I have no doubt about that. Oh yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, actually, I've met Reggie a couple of times, and uh, he put his hand on my shoulder. And I'm a I'm a pretty big guy, and his hand wrapped around my shoulder, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> huge dude. Yeah, I have not met Reggie, and I imagine that that would be the the, the shock of life. Just. I want to live now. It's 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 Bill Murray at the end of Scrooged. Exactly. Everything is happy. I'm kissing this chick over here. This is this is great. Life is fantastic now, Reggie. Please leave me alone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, question number three: um, Are there any uh, trends in uh, in video games today that you that you don't think are kind of uh, proliferating enough? Anything kind of small that you'd like to see kind of grow into something bigger? 
Boy, you guys are really laying it on. Um, yep. 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 You know, I I like and I don't like streaming culture. Um, I like it because uh, as a video game developer, I can get so much knowledge by watching uh, people stream games and also the responses. Um, and so I think, you know, there's been sort of a movement to, to integrate uh, sort of features and things that can enable streamers to stream games better. I think that's very interesting and ultimately, um, you know, it's the way of the future. Um, but this is also kind of my, my, my side answer because this is all new technology. But VR is super interesting and, um, to me. And I, 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 I hope that VR games can do something different than what I'm seeing now. And I don't know if that's the best answer to your question, but that's the one I have. That's fine. That, that works. And VR is... I mean, we're definitely going to be seeing a lot more of it now. Um, I I will not be in the first group because that's 600. I know. Is I, I will a, be looking at the Oculus from the outside. That yep. is an amazing, amazingly ballsy maneuver that they did. <laughs> it is 600 bucks. It is, and I, you know. And I like I was reading a bunch of the stuff that that uh, that Palmer Lucky put out today, and you know they're not making any money on the hardware supposedly. So yeah, I, I get where they're going with it, but man. That's not, that. It really was kind of like a PlayStation Three moment where they come out and they're like, yeah. "All right, here we are!" And, oh, dude. I know. I was just saying too. You could buy. You can almost buy two PS4s for one headset. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So you know, good luck to those first adopters. Yeah, indeed. Uh, question number four. Another flip of the coin. Um, is there anything going on that you'd like to see just go away completely? Any any kind of trope or anything out there that's just this is not my bag, and I don't think it should be anybody's bag. I don't know. Um, say what you will. You know, I video games. When I was a, a young, a youngster, and even till recently, um, were 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 definitely um, about fun and uh, sort of this. There's creative elements to it, and I think I have seen so much, especially in the indie scene. Um, not so much as AAA, of course, but there's so much hate happening right now in games. And for the life of me, all I can think is people must be so bored um, that they can find a way to hate something that has to do with video games because it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. So, you know, of course, um, Gamergate's an issue and, and hating on specific developers or whatever. Um, some of them, of course, you know, there's some hotheads out there that it's like, Whatever, but I don't know. I, I'm. I, I don't see any need for it. Sure. Totally. Totally. Question number five. Um, you are I, I hopefully at least live in some sort of dream right now. Um, as a, as a game developer, um, if you had the chance and no restrictions, is there any other profession you'd like to pursue? Um. Yeah. Well, I originally wanted to. Well, when I was young, I used to make. Uh, prosthetics for and I wanted to get into movies so I made a lot of monster masks and animatronic stuff and um, I essentially was about to pursue that and then um, I'm 40 so this was quite a this was quite a few years ago um, and as I started looking into it uh, the whole industry was going CG and so um, 
of, I changed the course of my life and uh, started uh, learning about computers and I learned, I got a job doing computer-aided drafting and all, all kinds of other stuff because they didn't teach game development or, or, you know, any of that stuff back then. So doing sort of physical effects and that kind of stuff for horror movies and, you know, monster masks and animatronics and robotics and all that stuff, that, was, that would be an area I would like to go. Um, but that's not my answer. I want to okay. be a carpet. I want to be a carpet cleaner. Okay, fair enough. I'm doing bad answers today. That's fine. I I, I like I like the uh, the carpet cleaner route. We had somebody who wanted to, uh, uh, and it was not a bad answer. This was actually their answer. They wanted to uh, design um, bike frames, and oh. had actually gone to classes like uh, two or three weeks frame. before we talked to them for, for building bike frames. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I'll tell you, developing developing video games is arguably one of the hardest things to do on the planet so sitting there and welding some tubes together might be pretty fun (laughs) (laughs) is there anything actually about carpet cleaning that that intrigues you um in all honesty no but okay there is there is a but no actually that's not true there is there is an element to it it's like okay you know, you're by yourself. You're most likely have headphones on. You know, you're you're not. There's there's not a lot expected of you. You know, it's like of course you have to do your your clients or whatever. But I don't know. There's sort of that that lone wolf <laughs> thing with carpet cleaners that I really respect. And you know, it's like you're out there doing. You know, you're kind of like your own man. And I'm not saying that my life is hard or I dislike it or anything, but there are times, you know, it's like you're called upon as a business owner um, to kind of keep everything going constantly. And so every day there's a thousand things coming at you and you have to triage. Like my whole life is figuring out what's the most important thing versus what's not. And so, you know, in my mind, and I'm sure all all of the carpet cleaners out there could disagree, but the, the concept of just saying, okay, I got to go to Susan's house and, you know, I got four carpets to do there and then I'm going to go to this guy, Paul. I mean, the simplicity of it is, is enticing. Sure, sure. Makes sense. All right, next question. If you could go back and play any game with fresh eyes, like any, any, any game brand new, uh, what would you go back and play? Man... So I, I got into games as a PC gamer uh, originally, and uh, I'll tell you, Doom just was my, and it's kind of a cliche answer, but I went back recently and played Doom, and it's like I remembered where every single secret was. I remember everything. I played it incessantly um, and modded levels and all kinds of stuff back then. And I don't know if I'd want to look at it that with fresh eyes, but to, those were some of the best gaming days in my, of my life between um, essentially Doom and Quake 3 Arena. And I played some, uh, some mods. Urban Terror was a mod that I played a lot, and I contributed to that community. Um, and I don't know, those, all of those kind of <coughs> original first-person shooter games, you know, that... That was a, a good time in my life. So I'd probably like to re-see those because 
I can't sit down at my PC and play first-person shooter games anymore. I just I don't know if I don't necessarily have the patience anymore, and um, I don't know. Those were the golden days. That was it. Okay, last question. Here we go. At the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is waiting with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Um, <laughs> this is Toad, huh? It's hey, mm-hmm. the, the gate man. It's always Toad. It's always been Toad. I want him to say, <laughs> "Give me back my wallet." <laughs> you t- you took Toad's wallet. Wait, when did you steal you Toad's brave, wallet? Brave man. I know. I tried. That's why I asked. Is it Toad? Is it like the Toad? It's the Toad. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's excellent. I like that. Uh, Mike, thank yep. you. You have uh, you have come to the end of the end game. Um, we have nothing for prizes, uh, but Jonathan will show us the way back home. Excellent. <laughs> Well, Mike, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us about everything, about uh, Gaijin games and choice provisions, about BitTrip, and, of course, Tharsis. If you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about the game. Uh, You can go to www.tharsis.space with the caveat that that site went live a couple of days ago, so it hasn't necessarily propagated... Um, and of course, uh, Steam, uh, just search for Tharsis and it will be on your PS4s as well. Um, and I believe we talked a little bit about Laser Life earlier being kind of a companion game. Um, I believe that there's going to be a nice little sale if you own one of the games, get the other one for a discount. So keep an eye on that. And, uh, yeah. All right. Well, fantastic, and thank you so much again. Good luck as you guys kind of ramp up towards the the, the final launch here and uh, and beyond. Wish you the best of luck. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. It was really great talking to you. 